The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, babe? I got a... Uh, I got a <laughs> how you doing, babe? <laughs> hey, we got to put that on a shirt. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. babe. So we're working on the shirts. The Dan Bongino store is almost ready to roll. So we're almost there. My wife is diligently working to get yeah. this thing done because she is the best. And she works really hard to make sure Bongino uh, Inc., whatever you want to call it, keeps up and running in the show. But I got a fascinating text last night, Joe. I thought uh, I when I first got the text or I received it, I'm like, this is just uh, this can't possibly be true. I'm not going to say his name, but it's from a former friend of mine. Hmm who is a former Secret Service agent involved in security and stuff. And who do you think reached out to him over the weekend or one of his uh, and one of his um, companies, let's say, to provide armed security? Who do you think that would be, Joe? Was there a big rally in D.C. this weekend? Ah. Oh, yes, there was. There was. It was a big anti-gun rally in D.C. that coincidentally reached out to a friend of mine multiple times to provide armed security. Wait, I thought guns were bad. I thought they were bad. Uh, What is it? Uh, Say what? (laughs) Say what? Jackie. I mean, I don't get it. Are guns bad or do you need guns to protect you? What is it? (laughs) I thought it was a joke. I texted him back. I'm like, hey, Daddy-O, you're you're not messing with me, right? He's like, nope. Nope. He uh, politely declined saying, no, thanks. I'm a lifetime NRA member. I'm probably not your guy. Uh But um, just fascinating. Another example of rank hypocrisy. Reaching out to people with guns to protect you in a rally where you're rallying against people with guns. Don't let that faulty logic get in the way, though, of you continuing to rally against guns, liberal uh, wackadoodles. And listen, I, again, I mean, I'm going to say this and I mean it. Yeah, I passionately defend your big R rights to speak out. I do, and I mean it. But gosh, does the hypocrisy of this not stink to you? They reached out to a friend of mine for armed security. Unreal. Mm. I have a stacked show for you today, folks. Um, this is going to be... I got it. Uh, I, I saw a piece yesterday in my, uh, my inbox. Someone sent to me that just, boom, one of those mic drop moments. I'm like, here we go again. Enough, more evidence that this the Trump team was spied on and totally set up. Another piece of damning evidence and another article by John Solomon confirming the reason that the Obama team spied on the Trump team because they had so much to hide. Mm. So I'm going to get to that. So bear with me today. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. iTarget is one of the best systems out there for taking your dry fire practice to the next level with the firearm you have now. Folks, proficiency with a firearm is critical. It could be life or death. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. If you have to discharge your firearm, God forbid, at a, at someone in a self-defense scenario, you want to make sure that that round goes where you want it to go. You know, we had a line in the Secret Service, you're responsible for every single round. So being accurate matters. Being accurate matters if you're a police officer, if you're in law enforcement, if you have the weapon for self-defense and hunting and sports, anytime you, uh, you, you would discharge a firearm for those reasons, you have to be accurate. This is one of the best ways 
if not the best way to take your dry fire practice to the next level. The website is the letter I, itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. And what they do is they'll send you a laser round, which you drop into the firearm you have now. After you safely unload it, check it, check it twice, check it three times, look, feel, probe, an empty chamber. You drop that round in there, now the laser round. And ordinary dry fire, you would just pull the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, practicing your trigger control and sight alignment. But this will, when you do it, the... The laser round will discharge a laser onto a target they send you. And you'll see where the round would have gone. Now, you can see, I've seen people's groups. They send me photos of their groups on Monday and on Friday, and their rounds go from like basketball size groupings to golf ball size groupings. This is the best way to improve the accuracy uh, of, your, uh, of, your, of your shooting uh, with your firearm. It, you don't have to make any manipulations to the firearm you have now. You have a 9mm weapon, they'll send you a 9mm round. The website is itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. Remember, competitive shooters drive fire 10 times more than they live fire because it's the best way to improve your accuracy, trigger control, sight alignment, and your proficiency with your firearm. Itargetpro.com, promo code DAN, D-A-N, for 10% off. That's a nice savings, 10% off. Go check it out. Okay. Um, first, before we get to this, mm. John Solomon was on Hannity last night, has a piece up at the Hill, which is one of these must-read pieces at the show notes at Bongino.com. Go check it out. Subscribe to my email list. I'll email it right to you. But this a piece in the Hill is just damning. And it talks about something, Joe, you and I have had to address repeatedly. Questions that come up via my email box on the show say, I get it, Dan. Okay, so the tr- you, you believe the Trump team was spied on by the Obama team. Yeah. You've laid this out. We've laid out how they involved foreign intelligence to do it, how they did unmasking when they couldn't, uh, you know, they unmasked Trump team officials when they couldn't get information the legal way. And when they wanted to put a legal face on it towards the end, they got a FISA warrant against Carter Page, which allowed them to use multiple hops, what they call them, the two hop rule to get, you know, to get an end to the Trump campaign through Carter Page and hop to other people through Carter Page. Carter Page emails someone, they hop to him and then they take him, uh, him or her, and they hop to the next person and they take their emails and texts. Carter Page was the in to put a legal face on a spying operation that was long time, uh, was uh, was a long time going. Right. Now, I said to you, because we, oh, why, why, why? You Everybody said Trump was going to lose. Why did they do this? Folks, they had a ton of stuff to cover up the Obama administration. That's why they needed to connect Trump to the Russians because their dealings with the Russians were so unsavory that if they lost the election, even though they thought the likelihood was small, the Obama administration knew they would be in a world of trouble if they didn't have a smokescreen, i.e. the Mueller investigation. And I explained to you during last week's show why Mueller was the perfect guy. Mueller, with a history of being involved in a lot of these cases himself, the FBI director during the Uranium One investigation, Mm -hmm. Mueller and his familiarity with the Woods procedure and the verification of information for a FISA court that was not followed, by the way. Mueller's former chief of staff, John Carlin was in charge of the National Security Division of the Department of Justice, one of the few people who would have had to vouch for and verify the information used to spy on the Trump team in the FISA court. That was his old chief of staff, John Carlin, who was in charge over there. Mueller's the perfect guy to run a smokescreen operation to distract you from what really went on. And what really went on was the corruption of the Obama team. The corruption of the Obama team and their spying on the Trump team in an effort to dirty them up because their involvement with the Russians was so untoward. And this Hill piece yesterday by Solomon is absolutely damning. The piece is about the informant on the Uranium One case. Remember, the case that Bob Mueller was the FBI director for. Mm -hmm. 
I can always see I'm onto something when I see Joe's face and he looks interested. So this is good. Yeah, we I like am. this. The informant, according to, sorry, I'm moving some papers around here, jostling some stuff. The informant, Joseph, according to this uh, Solomon piece, mm-hmm. Gave information to the FBI, and I, I've said this before, but today, yesterday's piece is a little more specific. Gave information to the FBI about the Russians openly assisting the Iranians in the development of their nuclear program and then trying to hide it. As a matter of fact, in the piece, he indicates that some of the channels used to launder money in the Uranium One deal. Yeah. To buy off people to get the you know, to, to buy off people in the United States to gain influence in the uranium market. Yeah. Some of those same channels were also used as influence channels in a Moscow Iran deal to keep the Iranians nuclear program up and running. Folks, this is devastating information. This was an informant paid $50,000 by the FBI. Now, how do I know this informant's information is devastating to what the Obama administration did? Because the Democrats, Joe, are on full fast forward mode right now, rapidly trying to discredit this informant. Meanwhile, keep in mind, he was a paid informant by the FBI. Not for for years on this Uranium One deal Mm -hmm. and the, the 10X operation in the United States. This was a paid informant. This was a guy whose information was used in prosecutions. The Democrats are desperate to discredit this guy. I told you from the start, let me pull it out to 30,000 feet so this makes sense. The Obama team needed this Iran deal. The, the speculation, and I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not going to give you a cutesy answer. That's always evidence of a conspiracy theory, when everything yeah. fits neatly. Nothing fits neatly. Politics in the real world are really ugly. I can't get into the head of Barack Obama, but I can speculate based on his past statements. Obama wanted a rebalancing of power in the Middle East. Obama did not like Netanyahu and did not, was definitely not a pro-Israel president. No. He was not. Just look at his public statements, the way he treated Netanyahu and the Israelis. Obama comes from a different ideology. The world's capitalist powers were not the good guys. The United Kingdom, Israel, the United States, these were not the good guys. In his view, look at how he treated them. He sought a rebalancing of power in the Middle East. He saw a reestablishment of relationships in some way between Egypt, the Saudis, and Israel. He rebalances power away through the Iran deal. He needs the Russians in on the Iran deal because the Russians are helping. Read the piece. The Russians are helping the Iranians build their nuclear program. The Obama team knows it. The Obama team knows an informant in the Uranium One deal knows it. The Obama team knows the informant in the Uranium One deal is talking to the FBI. What happens to him, Joe? A gag order is placed on him Mm -hmm. as they plea out the case right before the the, um, statute of limitations is up, uh, right before a weekend, and it all goes away. Now the informant's been released from the NDA to talk, and he's out there talking about what he knows, and it's devastating. We basically de facto helped the Iranians build their nuclear program through the Russians as we were given the Russians access to our uranium. Does it now make sense why the Obama team would want to tie Trump to the Russians to make Trump look like a colluder? Therefore, if he got elected to keep everybody distracted with a Trump-Russia investigation rather than an Obama-Russia investigation? 
Folks, does this make sense? Just read the stuff that's out there. Solomon's not a, a right winger. He writes for the Hill. This is not some, you know, right wing magazine here. Listen, my politics are on my sleeve. This is a conservative podcast. We don't hide it. I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinion guy. Now, we like to stick to the facts here, obviously. That's that's obvious for just about everyone in the opinion. But we're not journalists. This is an independent journalist writing a report in the Hill about devastating connections between the United States, Russia, and the Iranian nuclear program that we knew about. Who was the FBI director when all this happened? Bob Mueller. Yeah. He was the perfect guy to run an operation against Trump because now, Joe, nobody's looking at this Obama connection. They're all focused on Trump-Russian collusion. That did not happen. Mm. I, uh, Folks, I've got a lot to get to today. This is, this is, believe me when I tell you, this is the tip of the iceberg. All right, let me just read you quickly because I... I, I I'm I'm super like stoked about today's show, but sometimes I get overexcited. I see, yeah. You know, because I feel like we got so much good information yesterday. I don't want to lose you on this. This is from the John Solomon piece. Again, it will be in the show notes. It's not very long, but please read it. I'll read to you a snippet here, though. The informant's name in the Uranium One case that was working with the FBI, who has indicated that the Russians were helping the Iranians build their program here, folks. His name is William Douglas Campbell. Now, he says in the piece that evidence was presented to the FBI during President Obama's first term that Russia was assisting Iran's nuclear program, even as billions of new U.S. business flowed to Moscow's uranium industry. William Douglas Campbell, the informant, folks, told The Hill his evidence included that Russia was intercepting non-public copies of international inspection reports on Tehran's nuclear program and sending equipment advice and materials to a nuclear facility inside Iran. One more paragraph here, quick. Campbell, again, the informant, said Russian nuclear executives were extremely concerned that Moscow's ongoing assistance to Iran might boomerang on them just as they were winning billions of dollars in new nuclear fuel contracts inside the United States. Folks, this is just devastating stuff. Yeah, well, let me just one more quote at the end. This is a short one. Moscow was, this is from the informant. Moscow was selling equipment, nuclear equipment and nuclear services to Iran. Moscow and specifically the leadership in Moscow were concerned that it would offset the strategy they had here in the United States if the United States understood the close relationship between Moscow and Iran. Now do you see what's going on? Jeez. It stinks to the heavens. The Obama team was de facto supporting an Iranian nuclear development program. The Iran deal, all of this was a rebalancing of power effort in an effort to meet his ideological endpoint, Obama, which was really what uh, what I believe to be an anti-Israel administration and a rebalancing of power towards Israel's enemies, the Iranians. Bada boom. There is no other sensible, common sense explanation why you would work with the Russians or ignore information that the Russians were helping the Iranians and and foster a deal you know is going to lead to the development of a nuclear program. The informant told the FBI this. Now, do you see as well, Joe, why certain executives in the FBI may have had an interest, uh, you know, in making the Trump team oh, look like the colluders? Yeah. My gosh, oh, yeah. does this thing stop? This thing stinks. Oh, man, a lot. The tentacles right. of deception. You know, they just run deeper and stronger than 
Most Every anyone day. could imagine. It's incredible. Every day they do. All right, I got another angle to this, too, that's going to blow your mind. A hat tip to Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller, who's been doing incredible work. Uh, um, uh, really, I, I don't. we don't know each other. I've never met the guy, but his pieces have been just incredible. He had a piece yesterday on another connection here, which leads me to the conclusion I've had for a long time now that this was a setup. Just to be clear, the Obama team knew it had to bury all this stuff. Uranium One, the Uranium One informant, the Uranium One informant talking about Russian connections to Iran, the Uranium One informant talking about how the, you know, the FBI knew this, how he told the FBI about these the Russians helping the, uh, the Iranians, selling our, our uh, uranium to the Russians while they're helping the uh, Iranians build the nuclear program. This had to go away. So the Trump team had to be set up. Why? Folks, because the Trump team didn't have any criminal connections to the Russians. And they certainly had no political connections. How? Trump wasn't a politician. They may have been business. There's no question he had business connections in Russia. The guy was an international billionaire. But he had no political connections. They could could hang on him. So they needed to set him up. So this piece by Chuck Ross is another another piece of evidence. I, I'm use. I'm going to walk through. It's going to be careful with this because it's going to be a little tough. But I think it's damning when I'm going to finish it. That this is another person trying to entrap the Trump team and approaching them with information or trying to get information with connections to people in American intel. It's just weird, folks. All right. Um, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at uh, Thrive. Before I get to that, uh, these guys are great. I welcome them on board. Uh, we shop there all the time now. Their prices are just amazing. The website's thrivemarket.com, Bongino. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Bongino. Thrivemarket.com slash Bongino. You know, it's a revolutionary online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable. That's been a problem for me, folks. Uh, you know, I buy apple cider vinegar, coconut oil, all this healthy stuff, and it's super expensive. I used to go to an organic market where Joe lives now, where mm-hmm. it, the place would bankrupt you in a day or two. Thrive Market. Look at the prices. You'll be absolutely blown away. You can shop for thousands on the best-selling non-GMO foods and natural products always at 25 to 50% below traditional retail prices. You don't believe me? Check it out. You, They're not, trust me when I tell you, they're not kidding. Check out the Thrive Market brand products because they have the highest quality ingredients and even more affordable prices than the current premium products carried on the, on the site. They have really, really high-quality products, the Thrive Market brand. You can get everything you need, non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, personal care products, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, Safe and non-toxic beauty products, kitchen staples, home goods, organic baby food, kids products, much more shipped right to your door. Like I said, I like the apple cider vinegar and the coconut oil. It's about 50% off the Thrive Market brand really? that we buy. Yo, oh, oh, wow, that's forget great. It. Compared to the local supermarket yeah. here, yeah, it's unbelievable. More than 70% of the Thrive Market catalog cannot be found on Amazon, folks. That's the difference. It's the largest retailer in the country that sells exclusively non-GMO products. Listen, it doesn't make sense that these these healthy products, these non-GMO products, non uh, these organic products, it doesn't make a sense that they cost so much more. A lot of these markets, they're 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 racking up their prices you go to thrivemarket.com slash bongino you get a much much better deal 
Here it is. You go there now, you get $60 of free organic groceries plus free shipping and a 30-day trial. Keep in mind, Thrive Market prices are already up to 50% off, and now they're giving you an extra $60 in free groceries and free shipping. Check them out. I would not recommend them if they were not A+. These guys are great. Thrivemarket.com slash Bongino. Save yourself some money. Get some really high-quality products. All right, let's get right into this here. So Chuck Ross sends out this piece yesterday about a guy named uh, Stefan Halper. All right. Now, I'm going to walk you through this. Remember the premise we're operating on here, that the Trump team was set up by a number of people that approached the Trump team. Remember the Yagalarovs, um, you know, Sergei Milian, who's been dealing with Papadopoulos, Alexander Downer, who you heard about a bit, who meets with Papadopoulos in this London bar. These people all seem to have connections to American intelligence under Barack Obama, the Hillary Clinton campaign or the DNC. Right. So what's this guy? Uh, uh, what's, what's his name? Stefan Halper. Halper. Stefan Halper. What's yeah. his story? Two months before the election, Joe. Mm. Stefan Halper, this is from the Ross piece, a foreign policy expert and Cambridge professor with connections to the CIA and MI6. Who does he start emailing? <laughs> this is crazy. He starts emailing our buddy Georgie Papa D. Papa Dizzle. Now, Papadopoulos doesn't know this guy. This guy, Papa D, starts getting these emails from this rando he's never met in his life. <laughs> Stefan Halper. And Halper is contacting other people on the Trump campaign, too, setting up meetings. He wants to meet with them. By the way, he winds up paying Papadopoulos $3,000 for some policy paper on what, Turkish gas fields or something like that. But it's fascinating. He missed out. Oh, OK, so what? So he reached out to a guy in the Trump campaign. What's the big deal? Well, who's the other guy he reached out to? Oh, Carter Page, Carter Page, the uh, subject of a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team I just told you about before. I'm not making this up, dude. This really happened. OK, yeah. Now, I'm going to I'm going to walk you through this slow. Let me talk about this. Uh, let me just give you a quote from the piece first. This is from Chuck Ross's piece. Halper's September 2016 outreach to Papadopoulos. Right before the election wasn't his only contact with Trump campaign members. The 73 year old professor, a veteran of three Republican administrations, you say, oh, Republican administrations, you read that wrong? No, 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 no. Don't you for a second think this was not a swamp rat operation all around, okay? A veteran of three Republican administrations met with two other campaign advisors. Papadopoulos questioned Halper's motivation for contacting him, according to a source familiar with Papadopoulos' thinking. That's not just because of the randomness of the initial inquiry, but because of questions Halper is said to have asked during their face-to-face -face meetings in London. Listen to this crap. According to a source with knowledge of the meeting, Halper asked Papadopoulos, George, you know about the you know about hacking the emails from Russia, right? <laughs> Wait, Jeez. what? So another rando. Joe, is this making sense? I'm, if I'm confusing anyone, please stop. No, no confusion. Is, it's shocking. No confusion. It, it's shocking that this keeps coming yeah. up. All of these random people keep approaching Carter Page and George Papadopoulos and people from the Trump campaign, including Don Trump Jr., who got the email from the European singer Agalarov, who says, hey, the Russians want to reach out. And who magically comes over to meet with Don Trump Jr.? 
a lawyer who's working with Fusion GPS, who's working with Hillary. All of these people are approaching the Trump campaign. I'm telling you, this appears to be on its face an entrapment operation by people and political swamp creatures looking to bait the Trump team in to get them to say things so they can pass it on to American intel as a reason to spy on them. Folks, now... This is another fascinating point about Halper. By the way, he won't comment. He has he provided no comment to the Daily Caller, News Foundation, or Chuck Ross, mm-hmm. which again I find interesting too. Yeah. Halper invites Carter Page to attend the July 2016 symposium held at Cambridge, where he teaches the university. You want to you want to really cook your uh, cook your steak right now? Cook your mental steak. Halper was also part of a the CIS operation, Cambridge Intelligence Seminar Series. Yeah. With his buddy, the former head of MI6, this guy, Dear Love. They leave this thing and make a big public stink about it, this Cambridge Intelligence Seminar. In December of 2016, there's an article I'll put in the show notes about them leaving. Because they believe the intelligence seminar being run at the university, Joe, has been mm-hmm. infiltrated by Russians. They invited Carter Page to speak at Cambridge just a few months earlier. Not at the same seminar, but they invite him over there and they leave the seminar they think is being run, they think is being, excuse me, infiltrated by Russian intelligence, but as a vehicle in this university. Halper, what was he doing at the time that he contacted Page and Papadopoulos? Halper, Joe, conveniently, wow, this is crazy. Halper was working on a project related to Chinese and Russian economic relations. Are you like a crazy person? Are you like a crazy person? This is the nuttiest story I have ever heard in my entire life. If this was a spy novel, it would be laughed out of the publisher because it would be so unbelievable. Now, let me read you something else about Halper's connections to the CIA. Remember, keep in mind what we're talking. I don't want to lose you. My entire operating premise from episode 628 of my show, number 628 on, for those of you who followed the series, has been the Obama team had everything to hide if Trump was elected. A lot of what they had to hide had to do with the Iran deal in Russia. The only way to hide what was going on with Iran and Russia if they lost the election was to get the Trump team dirtied up with Russia themselves. They found a convenient special counsel investigator, Robert Mueller, who was involved in these investigations himself and involved in the procedure to spy on people himself through the Woods procedure and his friend, who was the chief of staff, uh, his chief of staff, who was involved with DOJ, who was also involved in the FISA warrant process against Carter Page. They ran that as a smokescreen. They couldn't get the Trump team on the information they had, though, because the Trump team wasn't dirty with the Russians. So these people keep contacting the Trump team and mysteriously keep contacting American intelligence agencies who are working for John Brennan and Jim Clapper, two noted political hacks, the head of the CIA and the head of the DNI who are working for Obama. You know, listen to Halper's connections to the CIA. Halper, keep in mind, a guy contacting randomly members of the Trump team about information they have on the Russians. 
Halper also has connections to the CIA, according to the piece, most notably through his late father-in-law, Ray Klein. Ray Klein once served as director of the CIA's Bureau of Intelligence and Research. He was also the agency's top analyst during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Halper got a job as a foreign policy director on George H.W. Bush's successful 1980 presidential primary bid on Klein's recommendation. This is crazy, Joe. Let me read you this next paragraph. Mm -hmm. Halper, who has a residence in Virginia, was also allegedly in charge of a team of former CIA analysts who kept tabs on the Jimmy Carter campaign. Folks, this thing absolutely stinks to the heavens. I believe that, remember, the initial hiring of Fusion GPS was done by the Washington Free Beacon. This is not a, that's not a liberal outlet. That's a conservative outlet. The dossier funding was done exclusively after the contract was taken over to the Hillary campaign. But ladies and gentlemen, it's becoming clearer to me by the day that this was a swamp rat operation amongst entrenched people in the intel community and the top ranks of the FBI to set up the Trump team. The evidence is overwhelming. Now, this is what let's scramble the eggs even more <laughs> in December of 2016. After dear love, who was the former head of MI6, this guy, dear love, who's friends with this guy, Halper, right? So he's connected to MI6 and the CIA, as I just told you, Joe, okay. through that, his connections with this guy, Ray Klein, right? right? So he's connected deep, this guy, Halper, into the intelligence communities, both in the UK, who we know were spying on Trump, according to CNN's own reporting. The April, uh, what is it, the April report by Evan Perez about CNN? CNN already reports that the 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 uh, the British were passing intelligence on the Trump team to the Obama team, again in an effort to dirty them up. This London connection stinks. I don't think I'm ever going to be allowed in the United Kingdom, Joe. Ever? Probably not. Yeah, they may be mad at me. I said to my daughter, I don't think we can vacation there. <laughs> But he's also friends with Dear Love. They leave in December of 2016, this Cambridge Intelligence Seminar. Cambridge is where they invite Carter Page to speak. They reach out to him, too. But what's interesting about this is they leave in December after the election saying, oh, oh, I think the Russians are involved here. Well, that's awfully convenient after Donald Trump won the election to leave this intelligence seminar at Cambridge Mm. where you've been a member of for a while after Donald Trump wins the election and you've been reaching out to people on the Trump team asking them about Russian emails. That's awfully convenient while you're writing papers, by the way, and doing a project on China and Russian relations. Now, who does Dear Love meet with in the fall of 2016 as the transfer of Fusion GPS's project under well, the Washington Free Beacon, which is a conservative outlet. Remember, the contract, just so we're clear on this, the Washington Free Beacon, a conservative outlet, hires Fusion GPS to do oppo research on Trump. At some point, that contract, after Trump wins the nomination, the Free Beacon says, hey, we're out. You know, we're doing oppo for, you know, there's no reason for oppo anymore. Trump won the nomination. There's no other Republican opponents, Right. 
You, you tracking? Yeah, I'm tracking, yeah. So at some point, Hillary Clinton's team's like, hey, you know what? We'll take those guys. They take the contract Fusion GPS over. And that's when the dossier and Christopher Steele come into it, where they start getting information from Russian sources about Trump that turns out later to be not true, but is used to spy on Carter Page, the same guy Halper invites over to Cambridge to speak. After the election's over, conveniently, they leave this intelligence group and say, oh, no, the Russians are maybe, I mean, possibly a CYA. Yeah, you think? But this is what's fascinating. Right around the time the transfer from Fusion GPS, their contract from the Washington Free Beacon, over to Hillary Clinton and the Democrat campaign, paid for by Perkins Coie, who was also being paid by Barack Obama's former campaign arm, by the way. This guy, Dear Love, who's friends with Halper, who does he meet with right around the time of the transfer in the fall of 2016? Christopher Steele. Oh, man. Come the, on. Yes. And what does Steele seek from him, from Dear Love, friend of Halper, who's been reaching out to the Trump team? Advice on what to do with the dossier and the information he's accumulating. Folks, this thing stinks. I'm telling you, it stinks to the high heavens. There is zero, zero doubt in my mind that the United Kingdom, their spy operation, their their GCHQ, the equivalent of the American NSA over there, that they know something about this spying operation and this setup operation of the Trump team that they're not saying. And it makes sense to me now why when Judge Napolitano on Fox went out and said that, that the GCHQ had been spying on the Trump team. But keep in mind, something already reported by CNN, folks. I put that article in the show notes. It's under the Obamagate files on my website. You can look at it yourself. There's nothing we're telling you that's even remotely conspiratorial that has not been reported already by left-leaning outlets. Now it makes sense why the British responded with such fury. This is rubbish. This is garbage. This is. It, well, why hasn't the CNN report been retracted? Go to my website, go to the Obamagate files, and read that CNN story again. There are people connected intimately. Look at uh, Mifsud, who, who sets up the meeting between Papadopoulos and Downer. Look at his connections. Look at all look at the, 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 the connections he has to UK officials. Why are these meetings happening in London? Cambridge, the London bar with Papadopoulos. Why all of a sudden after the election in December do these two people, Halper and Dearlove, the former head of the MI6, and, his, and Halper, who's trying to reach out to the Trump campaign. Hey, 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 knocking on their door. I got stuff. I got stuff. Why all of a sudden do they leave this intelligence group saying, oh, no, no. The Russians were involved in this. By the way, who spoke at that intelligence, Cambridge intelligence seminar? Oh, Mike Flynn? Is that crazy? Now does it make sense after the election why they may have backed out and said, oh, no, no, the Russians are running this thing now. Maybe to make Flynn look bad. 
Keep in mind, this guy was the head of the MI6. He was involved in this thing, too. Maybe to make Flynn look bad, and now that Trump won, they have to be realizing at some point that their connections to the Trump campaign and their outreach to the Trump campaign is going to become public. Maybe at this point they need some plausible deniability, so they back out. What was this guy doing meeting with Christopher Steele about the dossier right as the transfer was happening? What were they talking about? And the big umbrella question here, as I put in, uh, I put the notes down. I had to had to underline this because I don't want to forget this. Who told this guy Stefan Halper? Who told him to reach out to Papadopoulos? Folks, the chain of people here is going to get long, and I know it gets confusing. But keep in mind the thirty thousand foot of what we're talking about. I believe the Obama team had international partners in spying on the Trump team. There were people in the swamp that were both Republican and Democrat that had a strong interest in keeping the Trump team out of office. And if they got in office, making sure they were bogged down with a special investigation about colluding with the Russians, a collusion fairy tale they had planned long before election night. This collusion fairy tale was going to be based on contacts they had already initiated with the Trump team. They had initiated. They went and approached these people repeatedly over and over and over until they got their American intelligence counterparts to start an investigation, which turned into a counterintelligence investigation where the FBI was abused to spy on what potentially could be innocent Americans. Do you understand now how, you know, when people like me and, you know, other shows and we talk about this, why we're so deeply disturbed by it? Do you understand what happened here? How devastating this is? You know what? I, Did, I'm having a hard time accepting the level of corruption. I am. I mean, this is the, you see what my faces I'm making. I'm watching you respond to the show because I, I use you as a barometer for if I'm making sense or not to folks. And. It's amazing, isn't it? I never thought I'd ever hear this much corruption coming out of, you know, one administration like this. Joe, uh, you know, I the, the show notes today on Chuck, uh, the Chuck Ross piece for the Daily Caller. I know I say, you know, the must read, the must read, whatever. I mean, I can't tell you what you have to read or not, folks, but please go to my website, read the piece. If you don't want to go to my website, go to the Daily Caller and read the piece. You can search for it yourself. But the piece about this guy, Halper, is absolutely devastating. Because again, it's another example now. I got to read now, Matt and my uh, Denise, my co authors, we have to rewrite the chapter of the book now because as this more information comes out, it's becoming more obvious that something unbelievably bad happened to this Trump team. And now it makes sense why Mueller. All right, folks, I got a lot more to get to today, too. It's just a stacked news day, so, so much going on. Um, again, I'm sorry to kind of pack all this stuff in. But uh, hey, uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at uh, Filter By. But hey, is my transition. You know, it's always tough in radio, right, Joe? Segways. But right? hey, you go, <laughs> you go from these, you know, these uh, somber stories. You know, hey, but hey, 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 Daddy O. Joe loves this business. <laughs> it's spring cleaning time, and like, uh, and like Trump is cleaning out. This is great. This is. I love these guys. Filter By. I love you guys. I did not see this copy yet. They wrote me a new. A new this is a great ad. Listen to this one, folks. They wrote this. This is classic. 
It's spring cleaning time. And like Trump is cleaning out corrupt officials, you can clean up the air you breathe and make your HVAC system great again. I did not make that up. That is filtered by spring cleaning Dan Bongino's spot. I'm not making this up. This is great. You can make your HVAC system great again. If, if there was ever a reason to go to filter by, it's today just for writing this ad. Make your HVAC system great again. And folks, don't procrastinate. Otherwise, dust, mold, and pollutants will clog up your system. It becomes inefficient and ends up costing you a lot of money. (laughs) This is classic. I did not read this before, I swear. Sounds a lot like the federal government. <laughs> the only filter by could compare a clogged HVAC system to the Trump campaign and may and, and sounding like the federal government. This is great. This is the greatest ad I think I've ever made. You make your HVAC system great again. You lo- these guys are fearless. Clean up your system with my friends at Filter by America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. <laughs> I love you guys. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in the great old USA. Filter by offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing all that junk, pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating crap right out of the air and maximize the efficiency of your HVAC system. Don't blow them out like I did. I had a Cost me about twenty grand getting two new ones in there. Right now, you can save five percent when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. Save yourself some money, save some time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. Go check them out. These guys are great. This may be the greatest ad ever written for the Dan Bongino show. Don't you think, John? I like it. Yeah, <laughs> they're fearless. They don't. They don't do any of that nonsense. They get right in there and dig right in. Love FilterBuy. All right. So um that that kind of concludes the setup portion of the show and what what I was uh, talking about with the Iran deal and how they were covering that up. They were covering up their malicious dealings, I believe, with the Iranians and the Russians. And that's why this setup happened. And all of these people keep getting tied into this web of just nastiness. But don't forget it. Don't forget. I did an appearance on Louder with Crowder yesterday with Steve, and I was explaining to Steve why I think this was a setup. And I, I still think, Joe, a lot of people think this is conspiracy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you to go to the Obamagate files on my website and read the left-leaning articles themselves. Because remember this, just one last point on this. I'm sorry, I don't mean to like, uh, belabor the point here. But a lot of you may be saying, why was the media, CNN, the Washington Post, reporting at the time on Trump being spied on Trump being spied on by foreign entities, including the British. Why were they doing that if if the spying scandal was going to be a scandal later on? Does that make sense, Joe? Like, well, I, I, I'm getting this thread of questioning now from people. They're a little unsure as to why these left-leaning Obama acolyte outlets, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and CNN notably, okay. why they would report honestly on Obama spying on Trump. Does it make sense? Yeah, it's a good question. Because if you go yeah. to the Obamagate files, you're going to see a number of stories about wiretaps on the Trump team mm-hmm. for the New York Times. You're going to see a story from CNN about the British spying on them. Why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Folks, the answer is simple. Because at the time, these reporters were being misled into believing that the Trump collusion fairy tale was real. So they thought the real scandal was going to be Trump colluding with the Russians to win an election, which, Joe, if that was true, they would be right. Mm-hmm. That would be the biggest scandal in American history. A presidential candidate colluding with an enemy hostile foreign government to win a U.S. election. That would be earth shaking. But it didn't happen. 
So th- do you see what I'm saying? They thought these stories were evidence of that. Yeah. Look, Joe, the British were reporting it. Look, Joe, there were wiretaps on this. Mm-hmm. Look, look at what happened. But what happened later on? The collusion never materialized. So now CNN, what are they going to do? Take the stories down? They're still there. Go look at them. Now their collusion scandal fell apart and they're left with the real scandal, which is holy The Obama team spied on the Trump team about a crime that never happened. What do we do about all those stories we wrote? Trump was wiretapped. That was in the New York Times, by the way. The British were spying on Trump and passing the information. We wrote all these stories. How are we going to cover for Obama now? You can't. You can't. Don't even dare delete those stories. I've got screenshots. Don't even try it. They're all there. They're all there. That's why. Don't ever forget that. The left-wing media thought they were doing Obama's and Hillary's bidding after the election by showing how corrupt Trump was. Look how serious this investigation was. The British were spying. Everybody had wiretaps on Trump. They didn't realize there was no crime. They were being misled by insiders inside of the swamp, the Ben Rhodes types in there, who've already acknowledged in the past their ability to mislead the media. Ben Rhodes said it in an art, what it was an interview with the New Yorker, whatever it is. Ben Rhodes was an Obama foreign policy advisor, fi- former fiction writer with no skills to do this at all. And Ben Rhodes already talked about their ability to magically mislead the media. Mm-hmm. They misled the media into believing, hey, write this story about the British spying on Trump. Write this story because later on when this collusion comes out, you guys will be so ahead of the game. The British helped us nail this tyrant in Trump. The problem is he wasn't a tyrant and all you had was the British that got nailed. Now does it make sense why everybody's trying to backtrack and run away with this thing? Oh, Halper, why won't Halper comment for the Daily Caller? What's he running from? Why can't anybody find uh, Mifsud right now? The guy who set up the meeting between Papadopoulos and Downer. Where's Downer in a public statement? Why is Christopher Steele trying to magically set up um, you know, uh, interviews with Democrat senators who have influence over this investigation? Using lobbyists working for Russians too. They're all trying to cover their tracks. Why Bob Mueller? Because he knew about this Uranium One deal. He was the FBI director. He knew about the procedure to get a FISA warrant. He was involved in the entire development of the procedure. Stinks, stinks. It's really mm-hmm. stinks. All right. Um, last night, let me just uh, transition here for a different story because it gets me upset talking about it. Last night, I was watching Tucker, and they had uh, on a just an incredible guest. Uh, many of you probably heard of him. You know, you ever hear this guy Jordan Peterson, Joe? He's been a real. Uh, you've seen him on on Fox. He's he's been a dynamo on YouTube, and he is a a brilliant, brilliant uh, guy. I can't say enough about him, and. You know, in the talking head universe, uh, which I'm intimately involved in, I'm frequently disappointed by a lot of people on both sides. Uh, But this guy is just amazing. Uh, He is a a, a psychologist, I believe, or a psychiatrist, a mental health professional with an advanced degree. But he's super smart. I think he's more of a philosopher than anything. And he was on Tucker last night. And I had to rewind the interview and watch it twice because he said something to me. It was fascinating. You know, I'm always interested in the why, you know, the why matters, why the left does what it does. I find the topic uh, uh, fascinating. And he brought up this, this theory about why the left is not 
perceived as as frightening in some respects of the far left as people perceived as the far right are and it was and why they're not ostracized in a similar way mm. now let me just get this out before we talk those labels i believe are completely arbitrary in other words Labeling someone far right who is a white supremacist, I don't believe is accurate because I I don't believe that's right ideology at all. But that's been the traditional media way of doing it. You you see what I'm saying, Joe? Like if you're a skinhead, you're not welcome on the right ever. I don't know what you're talking about. Like we believe in individual liberty and individual liberty, the right to live outside of your skin color is a bedrock value. You're not a rightist at all. You're not a conservative. You're not a libertarian. You're not. You belong nowhere. You're an animal. But he brings up an interesting point. He was talking about how these leftists who do these things that are so radical frequently entrench themselves in government and can change the culture. And it's because they don't seem as threatening as the media can make people on the air quotes here far right appear. In other words, Mm. Joe, it's a great point. He says, it's easy to demonize racial supremacy because it's evil. I mean, it's not, it's not, if Joe were to get on sure. Listen, uh, you know, white people are the best and we don't like I'd be like, all right, Joe, I'm sorry. We got to fire you. Of course, Joe wouldn't say you get the point. Poor Joe. He takes a beating for all this stuff. But you get the point. It's easy to demonize because it's demonic. And therefore, they find no refuge on the right either. I I think the best example I can use of this is I was at a Tea Party rally once in Maryland, as a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. Joe. And a guy got up to speak at the rally and he said something that was really nasty. And I, I don't remember the exact, I don't even want to say it because it's a family show, but it was nasty. And it was definitely inflammatory and totally inappropriate and was not in any way conducive to conservative values. And I specifically remember people going, beat it, like them get, I, I think he may, I don't know, he may have been a plant for all I know. Yeah. But they got him out of there so fast because he just wasn't one of us. I mean, he right. wasn't one of anyone. The guy said something really dumb. And he says he makes up uh, he makes a great point here that, that the right does its own house cleaning because when they see stuff like that it's obvious that it's wrong and they kick these people out. Mm-hmm. But he says the left is allowed to flourish in the media, academia, and in Hollywood despite saying things that are so obviously anti-science and so obviously against um, freedom and liberty and other things because they're it's not as obvious by their language. In other words, when you go out and talk about things like, you know, equality of outcome, that doesn't sound as frightening as someone going up there and talking about being a skinhead, where you're like, oh, get them out. See ya. So the left doesn't police itself. You see where I'm going with this show? The right will police itself because if we see people infiltrating our movement who have obviously anti-conservative values, we boot them out and it's obvious. You're not going to allow a racist to talk at your rally. You're not. But he says how on the left, when people get up and say things that are damaging to society, extremely damaging, things like equality of outcome, which essentially means stealing from some to give to others, not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome, that even when I'm saying this now, it's not as, it doesn't sound as menacing. Mm -hmm. So when they, people get up at rallies and talk about socialism and equality of outcome, by the way, folks, socialism, a system of government that has killed hundreds of millions of people. It doesn't appear as menacing because the language isn't as obviously demonic as someone getting up at a rally and talking about being a white supremacist. Although the dangers presented by some of those ideologies on the left are are real. 
Advocating for socialism, a system used to enslave humankind and kill hundreds of millions, has been a, a, a horror on an epic scale. But Peterson's point was a beautiful one that when you get up there and you start, oh, equality of outcome, social, the government, we're going to take care of the little guy. It's not as obviously wrong and evil. And therefore, the left and even moderates on the left feel no need to police their side. Mm -hmm. And that's how these people entrench themselves in government positions. And they basically hide behind a mask of social acceptability that doesn't exist on the right. There is no social acceptability for and, and I'm again, I got I can't say this enough. Being a white supremacist does not put you on the right. It puts you in the in toilet bowl. But the media associates that with the right because that it's a convenient argument for them to make us look bad. But we give them no refuge. We police our own. The left doesn't. We marginalize these people. We keep them as a fringe movement. We do. And that's why they'll never gain social prominence because they're dogs and we, we treat them as dogs, but the left doesn't treat its dogs as dogs, which allows their movement to gain prominence in the culture and allows it to propagandize young kids even now who still believe that socialism is some kind of a viable path forward. Does that make sense, Joe? Oh, yeah. It was a beautiful point. Yeah, pretty well put, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah the, the, the left does not police its own because they hide behind a veneer of social acceptability mm -hmm. for ideas that are frankly disgusting, dangerous, and deadly. But if those ideas were to creep on the right under a different face or facade of, say, racism, white supremacy, whatever it may be, we they would immediately be thrown out, marginalized, mocked, and, and, and they would have no ideological home. Kookiness has an ideological home on the left. It was absolutely a brilliant piece. And I brought it up because yesterday, if you watch my NRA TV show, uh, which airs nightly, uh, it's available at NRATV.com, Roku, and Amazon Fire. Please check it out, folks. I, I appreciate everyone who's been giving me feedback. Uh, thank you very much. You're making us look really good with the NRA TV crew. But last night, I closed the show. I do a final thought segment on the show, Joe, about an article that I saw uh, in Reuters mm -hmm. about Venezuela. And how Venezuela, a now socialist country, has had a lop three zeros off its currency. Why? Because socialism, again, involves starvation, death, and destruction as the government confiscates private property. When the government confiscates private property, it has no ability to run that private property. These government people can't run a car factory. They can't even run government. They bankrupt the car factory. People have no cars. People have no farms. People have no food. So what does the government do in a socialist country? What they always do. They start printing money. They start printing money to try to buy things, to try to feed the people they're starving. As they print money, the value of money goes down. So when the value of money goes down, you need more money. You need more money to buy even basic staples. You need wheelbarrows full of money. Wheelbarrows full of money are not convenient to wheelbarrow around. So whereas you needed, say, one or two bolivars, Venezuelan money, to buy a piece of bread or whatever it was, Joe, a year ago, mm -hmm. you need whatever, 100000 now. But carrying around, Joe, 100,000 boulevards yeah. isn't practical. So the Venezuelans, in another move of genius, Joe, I'm going to point to my head here. This was smart, buddy. You know what they did? They just lopped three zeros off their currency and said, hey, you don't need 100,000 anymore. Look, we lopped three zeros off. Now you have to, you, you don't, you, there's a 1,000 bills you don't have to carry around. 
A genius. Wow, you government guys are just so damn smart. The article's up in Reuters. I think it was in yesterday's show notes. I'll look for it. I'll try to, if I, if I find it, I'll put it in today's show notes as well. But this is it. This is how psychopathy, this is how evil entrenches itself on the far left. They disguise evil, starvation, the destruction of a country like Venezuela, the destruction of their currency, their people, their food supply, their productive capabilities. This is how the destruction is couched and given a home on the left side of the ideological aisle. It is couched in terminology that is not as frightening. And that frightening, oh, equality of outcome, appears appears to have some veneer of respectability to it. And the leftists have not yet smartened up enough to learn that the radicals on their side are evil and demonic, just like some people who claim association with the right. What you're doing is literally killing people and starving them to death. Sad. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I had another story about the federal bureaucracy, which is growing. I'll I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow because it requires a little explanation. But uh, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today about the mammoth federal bureaucracy and how it's just entirely out of control and some solutions for fixing it, which is a good one. But I want to describe that in a little bit of length, uh, a little bit of detail. So uh, tune in tomorrow. Don't miss the show. Check out my show tonight, NRA TV, uh, 5.30. It's live every night from my home studio. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.